Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 110 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Jeff McGee to discuss the torture of Mathisar in Galaxy Quest. Give him a big hand, he's British! Jeff, are you ready to come aboard the Protector? I am ready. I will never give up. I will never surrender. By Grabthar's hammer, make it so. I know I'm mixing my <laughs> mixing my, mixing my uh, franchises there, but uh, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> That's all right. I'll take it. Um, so, Jeff, what's the history with you and Galaxy Quest? Were you there back in 1999? I was. I went to see this in the theater. I was still living in my hometown, Paris, Texas, the second largest Paris in the world. And I had a group of friends that we were all movie buffs and uh, went to see it. One of my friends actually showed up late, and I'll, I'll never forget this story. He worked for our local newspaper, but he worked in the circulation department. And he basically worked part-time after hours to make sure anybody who didn't get their newspaper could call in and have one delivered if it, they missed their delivery or something. And he was late to the movie because that day happened to be the issue of the paper where the TV guide came out. And this lady called and said she got the paper but didn't get her TV guide. And she was, quote unquote, banking on that TV guide. <laughs> so he had to leave work before he could get to the theater and, and take this to her. So he walked in after, I, I want to say about 10 minutes in. He missed the initial opening where they were showing the uh, the episode and everything. But he got in right about the time they were all arguing in the, uh, in the green room. Right. But right. Uh, yeah, loved the movie. Came out of it, you know, just just uh, singing its praises. And uh, as soon as it came out on DVD, I bought it. It's been one of my favorites. And it, it's funny because at the time, not many people had seen it. But now you're hard-pressed to find somebody who hasn't seen it. And if you find somebody who has seen it, chances are it's also, if not one of their favorites, one that they really hold close to their heart. That's exactly uh, how I would put it. Uh, no, I, I, I think it's a wonderful film. Um um, over here, I, I don't think it had much publicity. Um, I definitely showed it. It was in the first year I was at the Canterbury Cinema. And it just arrived, and it's like, oh, this looks like a spoof Star Trek. Um, Tim Allen, I didn't really know much about. Tim Allen ha wasn't, and, and I don't think has ever been a big star here in the UK. But uh, Sigourney Weaver, definitely. And I knew Alan Rickman from, you, you, you know, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Die Hard, etc., etc. And it's like, oh, I'll give this a go. Watched it that first time. I'm, I, I like Star Trek. I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of Star Trek, but I know enough that I know what they were playing at and uh, instantly fell in love with it. It's one of my favorite ever films. Mine too, mine as well. And it's interesting, my, my girlfriend Pam had never seen it. And so when I told her that I was going to record this show with you, she said, I've never seen that. And, you know, bless her heart, when, when this came out, she had just had a kid. Uh, so for about a 20 year span there, she didn't see anything that didn't come on the Disney Channel. Uh, so it's been fun since we've been dating to sort of help her catch up. So we watched this two nights ago. And of course, she loved it. She's a Star Trek fan. Uh, Star Wars fan, everything, just loved sci-fi and everything, and was just cracking up, and she said, well, who's in it? So I started naming off the cast. I said, well, Tim Allen, 
Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, she's good. Yeah, Alan Rickman. She loves Alan Rickman. I said Tony Shalhoub, uh, Sam Rockwell. She said, holy crap. That I said, yeah, the cast is stacked. I didn't really, I didn't think about it until I started telling her who all was in it. This is an all-star cast. It is now, but of course, Sam Rockwell wasn't the name. He yeah, wasn't this was, the Sam Rockwell. This was now. probably the first thing I ever saw him in. This and the Green Mile came out the same year. And I'm pretty sure I saw him in this first. And we're watching it the other night. And he, I mean, he really does steal the film. You, you watch any frame and he's always doing something. He's mm-hmm. never just listening. He's never just standing. He's always playing and doing something. And I love it. He's one of my favorite actors for that very reason. Um, I've got a personal connection with this film and I can't watch it without thinking of a couple of my friends, okay? Um, When I was working at that uh, Canterbury Cinema, a friend of mine was working there. She was floor staff and she is a dead ringer for Missy Pyle in this. Oh, that's funny. I have a friend who reminds me of her as well. Not so much Missy Pyle, but Missy Pyle's alien character, the eternally <laughs> grinning Missy Pyle. That, and, and I said to her, you've got to go in and watch this. And as I say, she was floor staff and she went in and watched it. And when she came out, she had this annoyed grin on her face. And it's like, oh, you are mean. But I, <laughs> but I see what you're getting at, you know. And the other, the other friend I've got, who I call Fluffy, uh, because that's his personality, uh, looks like Sam Rockwell in galaxy quest and we watched it again last night me and my wife uh, the scene and it's quite near the end of the film and galaxy quest is one of those films if you stumble across it on tv you start watching you go i'll watch 10 minutes and you can't get away from it there's I no mean, good jumping off point no there is no good jumping apart from there's an advert break that's the only time you can do it so we watched it to the end and that last scene where you see all the cast and they all smile at the camera. When Sam Rockwell does that, you know, finger point at at the camera, (laughs) that's my friend. That's Fluffy. That's exactly his personality. That's what he looks like, and that's his personality. That's awesome. uh, Yeah, he takes that. Yeah, he he thinks that's hilarious. Um, But, uh, yeah, so on a personal level, I love this film. I love the the fondness, because this isn't a piss take, is it? It's not a send-up of Star Trek. Not at all. This is the, the the only way that this film works is if the people making it have a real affection and a real knowledge for of the 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 uh, the source material. Because mm. I know not... someone who said I know someone who had a sister who who refuses to watch it because she said, "quote It's making fun of Star Trek." I'm like, it, "It's not. No, it's it's not. sending it up, but it's it's ribbing it in the way that only someone who loves something can really rib it." And of course, you know, Patrick Stewart um, has seen it, loved it. William Shatner has seen it and loved it because it is accurate. And it's not just accurate to Star Trek. I mean, you go to the big conventions. This is accurate to convention going, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's any fandom that has a really rabid following, which is pretty much any sci-fi fandom. You know, you've got you know, Doctor Who, Star Wars, Star Trek, any of it. This is who you meet. And, mm. and it's so funny that the, the film is now 20 years old and everything is still accurate. Yep, yep. Again, that's what we were saying last night. When when the, the protector crashes into that convention and you see these uh, quite tubby <laughs> uh, convention goers in costumes, it's like, but that's what we see now. I mean, I, I go to a fair few of uh, fair few conventions, usually with the 501. So I'm limited in my field of vision, being Gorindon and everything. But I, I'm aware <laughs> that, yes, you do. I was thinking that yesterday about, you know, Thor in Avengers Endgame. I'm not giving anything away, but a lot of people can cosplay Thor now, can't they? Right, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> Myself included. <laughs> Minus the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, no, I, I it, it's very knowledgeable, this film, in, in what it's doing, you know, and it's, as I say, it's affectionate. It's got an awful lot of heart in it. The performances are fantastic. The relationships between the people, the relationships between the, 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 the TV cast and the Thermians it, it, it is just brilliant, particularly Quellick and Alan Rickman, you know. Um, uh, I, I think it's terrific. The score... I don't think that gets enough praise. The score really sells the film as well. Absolutely. Everything about this film is is spot on. And as I'm watching it the other night, again, first time I've seen it in, in a few years. I don't, it's not one that I go back to often just because there's so many other movies out there that I watch. But it is one that I do watch frequently. But every time I watch, watching it with, with Pam, I was sort of watching it through new eyes because I'm seeing it with her for the first time and seeing her react. I'm noticing every single one of the crew members has an arc. Each of their characters has an arc. These, this is not, this is a true ensemble film. It's, it's not just, hey, we're going to make fun of Star Wars. They have made an honest to goodness film about people, about relationships, and they're just like any good sci-fi. They're using, they're using the prism of sci-fi to talk about these human issues that we all have, and it just so happens that they've chosen to do a send-up of Star Trek at the same time, in, in much the same way that Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, mm. uh, any of those, uh, those uh, the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost films uh, have done that, um, what's the director's name? Oh, um, uh, Ed, is it Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright. Wright? Yeah, Edgar yeah, Wright. Yeah. Much the same way that all of those films, while they're spoofs of a genre, they're also about real people. This is very much in that vein, and I've always assumed that they were sort of inspired by Galaxy Quest and doing what they do. Mm. The, the, the the thing that yeah yeah you're absolutely right you, you, you know that uh, it is very real life the one thing that uh, all, always makes me smile and it could, it it wouldn't happen if it was real life is Alan Rickman never takes that headpiece off throughout right. the whole film you know? right. <laughs> um, somebody as hacked off as he is would have removed that at some point but that again that just adds to the thought that's gone into this film. Hey, let's never take the thing off. Yes, it gets a bit ripped at the end and a bit of his hair sticking out. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, I'm like you. I haven't seen it for a while. And uh, watching it again and watching The Aliens, you know, I haven't watched this, I don't think, since the Big Bang Theory came out. But they, Sheldon is ripping off, uh, especially Quellick. Quellick is a prototype Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They owe a lot of debt to uh, Galaxy Quest. I don't know if Galaxy Quest has actually ever turned up in the background on Big Bang Theory or there's the protector on a shelf or something. I don't know. I've never noticed it. I, I haven't seen a lot of the Big Bang Theory after the first probably four seasons mm. um, because I just I don't I don't watch network TV as it airs. So, and if right. it doesn't stream anywhere, I don't see it. But uh <laughs> But yeah, I would not be surprised, and it it is sort of surprising that they don't uh, make bigger hay about it on the show mm. on a regular mm. basis. Have you ever seen when you've gone to conventions people cosplaying as anybody from Galaxy Quest? Because I certainly haven't. I have not, and it always kind of surprised me because it seems like something that would be ripe for cosplay. And I have some friends that that cosplay on a regular basis, and they always try to do things that are a little off kilter. Mm. And so I'm a little surprised that we've never seen, uh, especially like uh, you know a uh, dr lazarus cosplay because those you know that headpiece would be so much fun to to try to create so i am kind of surprised that we haven't mm, mm. 
Hmm. And and that would be a meta moment then, wouldn't it? If you're actually yes. dressing up, as, especially if you, you you could easily cosplay as one of the people cosplaying in Galaxy Quest. You cosplay you? as a cosplayer. Yes, you could. Yeah. Because, <laughs> of course, this was out uh, before the word cosplay was ever invented, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you. but you could cosplay as Justin Long's character and you'd be cosplaying as a cosplayer. You you would. You would. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let, let, let let's get into our sequence, shall we? Explain to him who you all really are. Tell him! Explain! Mathazar, there's no such person as Captain Taggart. My name is Jason Nesmith. I am a actor. We're all actors. He doesn't understand. Explain as you would a child. We, uh, we pretended. We lied. Aww. Yes, you understand that, don't you, Mathazar? Mathazar, I... I'm not a commander. I uh, there's no National Space Exploration Administration. We we don't have a uh, ship. But there it is. <laughs> that ship is that big. Inside, I've seen many rooms. You've seen plywood sets that look like the inside. It, it, our brilliant sphere is is wire with plaster around it. And, and our, uh, our digital conveyor is a it's Christmas tree lights. It's a decoration. It's all fake. Just like me. It's difficult to explain. On our planet, we, uh, pretend to, uh, to, to entertain, and, uh, I am so sorry. God, I am so sorry. So now you know. Lieutenant Lathe, hardwire the reactor core to overload. I would like to blow this troublesome vehicle to dust. Sirs, what about my people? Yes. Far too simple a death for them, isn't it? Lave, open an oxygen seal on level C. Let the air in a bit for our friends. I thought, I thought we would start, um, you, you know, our heroes are on the way back up to the command deck. Um, um, they've just found out that uh, they are all that is, is left. The Thermians that are on the ship, that's all that's left of their people. And again, it, it's very touching when you get moments like this happen. You know, the music comes in and Tim Allen, you know, uh, usually a comedic actor. That's what he's known for. But, you know, it, it is really quite moving when, when he finds out that that's all that they have left are, are the people that are on the ship. You know, Tim Allen does not get enough credit as an actor. He is very funny. He's, he's a good comedian. But like you said it. He is a good comedic actor. Mm. And when 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 the scene requires a, a real emotion, he's always able to pull that up. 
Mm, uh, and I've, I've always been impressed by that. And, and and again, the cast as a whole, you know, we, we talked about the fact that, um, that, that you've got a cast full of just really heavyweight actors. And this scene is no different. You really, you really see his character grow uh, through the course of this film. And it's a really remarkable performance. Oh, he's a dick at the beginning, isn't he? He's a yes. complete idiot. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have seen people at conventions like that who are just bored. They're there for the money. They don't even look up while they're signing and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've, I've gotten autographs from a few of them back when I was still buying autographs. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, they're up to the command deck, um, and but they're, they're intercepted by Saris, the bad guy. Uh, I'll just say here, I love Saris. Um that, there should have the, been Saris action figures, you know. There should have been uh, when I came out of this film I came out of the film the first time saying, How cool was that design of the evil alien? Because mm. I just that and uh and, and Pam even commented on it, you know, especially the uh the things on the top of his head that are constantly moving. Mm. She yeah, it's that's such a great design. And again, it's it's this is one of those films that works on its own merit it doesn't even you don't even have to have any working knowledge of star trek to enjoy the film obviously mm. it helps but yeah 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 and and yeah like you say it's quite a complex design because you you know you, you've got his lizard face he's got this eye patch on he's got blue tattoos yeah those things on his head that keep moving and every time he gets annoyed um you know you have these like dragonfish style fins come out on the back don't they yeah and it's hmm. and and I, I'm and it's all practical because this was oh, '99. Oh, yes. We they were I mean you know CGI was still a thing, but but this was all practical as far as I know. And he even well, had the uh, he even had the uh, the eye patch, which reminded me a little bit of of Krang from uh, Star Trek VI. You have just cribbed from my behind the scenes. That was a direct I'm nod very sorry. to. To, to Star Trek Six, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, as I say, I mean. A lot of people actually think, because this is 1999-2000, a lot of people go, oh, um, um, you know, that must be um, all CGI. But it's not. Everything we're going to talk about today is practical. Um, so uh, that's one of the reasons why I chose this scene, including Saris. Now, Saris, I mean, yeah, you know, it's fantastic uh, um, effects sequence. But I think an awful lot of it to do is with the actor underneath it. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, a guy by the name of Robin Sachs, who is terrific. He's absolutely terrific. His his facial movements, he is conveying, you know, smugness in this scene and what's coming up underneath uh, latex and mechanical devices, which will actually make the prosthetics move. Yeah, it's very much uh, a, a performance worthy of a Ron Perlman, someone that is really known for acting through makeup. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. It's I mean, he's creating this character that... He's legit scary. Mm, mm. Yeah, and he's totally the leader. When he comes in with his lackeys, yes, this is the boss, isn't it? You know this is the boss. Absolutely. I like, I like the lackeys as well. I like I like the way... Have you ever noticed that all the lackeys, uh, all these bad guy aliens, every outfit they're wearing is, is different to all the others? Nobody's got a uniform look to them. No, actually, I did notice that. They're, they're, they all look like they're of a piece, but they're all unique. Mm, mm. And I like that and, as well. I, yeah, I did too. Again, so much thought went into the design of this that it, it's it's really a shame that it wasn't appreciated even more than it was when it came out. Mm. Because I don't know about the States, but over here, I mean, we only had it for like a week. Um, it was a and, modest and went... hit here. I think it made about $70 million. Right. It was a modest hit. People knew it. Critics loved it. People who were Star Trek fans knew it. 
And so, like I said, it was one of those movies that everybody's like, oh, yeah, that thing. But nobody saw it in the theater. They, they discovered mm-hmm. it on, on home video. Yeah, and you, s- you said earlier about, you know, getting it on DVD. It was one of the very first DVDs I ever bought. Nice. I, I, I've still got one of that. It's the old style, you know, DVD case where it's like um, solid plastic, you know, the, the clear plastic. And it snapped open at the side. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got to update to a Blu-ray at some point. I really must. Um, and you, you were saying Sam Rockwell, he's always doing something. I mean, this is a good, uh, um, cause he's called guy, isn't he? Because he's a guy, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, he, he faints, doesn't he? He holds his hands up and he faints, um, as yeah. soon as Saris comes in. As soon as he comes in. Yeah. And, uh, and next we get them, they're bundled into the room where, uh, Mathazar has been tortured, um, and, um, Oh, Jason Nesmith, he's thrown down to the floor. When he gets up, he's got very bloody teeth. There's obviously uh, a scene that's been excised somewhat where he's been beaten up before he actually gets to this room. Yeah, I did notice that. You kind of assume that, yeah, I, I, I when looking at it, I thought, well, maybe I'm just looking at his tongue. Maybe he bit his tongue or something. But yeah, he has obviously been, been beat up. Yeah, there is a, a reason in behind the scenes, which we'll talk about when we get there. And there's Mathasar, he's on, he's on this torture table, but he's still grinning uh, despite all his injuries. And he's so pleased to see um, um, Jason and all the he rest the of them. He has the utmost faith in this crew to save him and his people. Absolutely, because he says, now, now, Saris, you will see justice. And um, Saris wants to know what this Omega 13 device does. And of course, you know, old Tim Allen doesn't know, does he? And right. and um, so he goes across and he electrocutes Mathasar um, every time. He punctuates every question that he's giving to Jason with an electrocution of Mathasar, uh, who reverts to his Thermian true form, doesn't he? Yes, which is a sort of a octopi-looking slash squid mm. slash devil in the dark from Star Trek, the original series. I always get as well, if they weren't so colourful, um, uh, War of the Worlds, because in the original War of the, War of the Worlds novel, they are H.G. Uh, Wells basically describes an octopus. Um, and so the, here you go, you've got an octopus-style alien. So I don't know if that was part of the initial idea on designing It wouldn't surprise like me. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So Jason says he doesn't know. He doesn't know what it is. Um, and um, um, Saris says to prepare a tear harness for Gwen. Do you know what a tear harness is? Because <laughs> I certainly don't. I, I don't. Uh, it doesn't sound like anything I want to have any part of. No. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this is where, um, um, you know, Taggart, Commander Taggart, he gives in. He, he admits he's not the commander. And uh, and um, they show the historical documents. They call them the historical documents, don't they? The episodes of the TV show, right? Um, because they, yeah, because the uh, the Thermians have they, they don't know what lying is. No, they don't want. No, they don't know what lying is, and they they have taken these Galaxy Quest transmissions that they've picked up as historical fact, haven't they? And I I throughout this, I mean. Sa- old Robin Sachs, Saris, I think he's brilliant because he realises what's going on and what the situation is and starts laughing. And he says it's better than anything he could have done to the Thermians. And sadist that he is, he gets Jason to explain to Mathasar what the situation is. 
And, you know, again, what you were saying about Tim Allen, he's terrific in this. You know, he goes across and he apologises and say, says, we lied, but they don't understand what lying is. And that's when, and this, I think, is my favourite uh, Robin Sachs Saris moment. It's, it's the way he turns his head and purses his lips and says, explain as you would a child, doesn't he? Yeah, and and you're right. It's this whole scene is kind of a is really impressive for him because you see him doing a lot with his eyes. You know exactly what he's thinking through all that makeup, mm. and uh, and I love the you were t- the shot just before that when he's watching the he's watching the the screen, and then you see him look over at at uh, Mathazar and look back to the screen, and he's figuring it all out, and you see the wheels turning, mm. and it's uh, it's such a remarkable performance again through all this makeup. But the makeup helps. Mm. Oh, absolutely! And he's, you know, he's he's using his jaw and everything, and it's really, really great work, and uh, just a really uh, it, it, again, it's a it's a it's a tribute to him and a credit to the uh, the makeup designers and the special effects coordinators for making mm. all of this work together to create this this character. It is it is truly it, scary and 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 evil and and convincing as well, isn't it? This yes. is totally convincing, and and this this moment between you know. Um, Mathazar and and Taggart is um, yeah, it's truly touching. It's it's it, it, for me, it's a goosebump moment. There, there there are three goosebump moments in this film for me. There's this one, it's the one when Tim Allen realizes he actually is on a starship. You know, just before they beam him back down to Earth, and you've got that beautiful choral music kicks in, and then you've yes. got the death of Quellick as well, and the anger of Alan Rickman. That, I used to go into the auditoriums and watch these three scenes over and over again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I get goosebumps. I think I've got a few goosebumps now just thinking about it, you know, because Mathisar, you know, he, he doesn't understand. He, he goes, but there it is. Um, and, and he says, well, no, it's a fake. And he goes, but inside I see many rooms. You know, you've got this terrific script going on as well. As, as well as terrific performances, you've got terrific script, you've got terrific music, you've got terrific makeup you know I, I i love this scene and and it's the first time he stops smiling no because when the but when the penny drops for Mathazar, I, I i like the, the the breathless but why you know yeah it's it's heartbreaking uh, it is it is and uh and you know oh tim allen's i'm so sorry and uh and this is where we get to the end of our sequence because you know saris says asks lieutenant lathe to blow the ship up um, and and to let the air out because Mathisar says, "What about my people?" When he's and he's like, "Right, well, we'll let the air out first. And uh, again, he's such a nasty bit of work, this Saris, isn't he? He is, and and he's got staples in his chin too that I've always wondered about. <laughs> he is very Klingon-like, isn't he? You can see a Klingon having staples in his chin. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's this whole scene is just this is this is where things get really real for mm. me. Mm. Uh, because the, you realize there are stakes here. People are yeah. going to die. And, and I mean, that's after this sequence. But, you know, you do. You see continual uh, monitor shots of the Thermians dying. And, you, you, you know, they must be rescued. It does. It, it, it all gets very uh, serious, doesn't it? It does. And a quick question for you. You may not know. The, the, uh, the thing that they have Mathazar laying on, I'm assuming, is something they brought on board. Well, I'm guessing so. I don't know what it looks like. It, I don't know what it is, but it looks like it looks like it's of a piece with all of their stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't know whether it was just a hospital gurney or something that they used, or a dentist chair, or something like that. Uh, 
All right, well, that, that, that basically is the sequence over because then we get into the whole race to uh, save the ship and, and go off to, you know, stop it blowing up and rescue the, the, the aliens in the, in the uh, restroom and that. So, uh, so that, that's our sequence over. So behind the scenes, and yeah, um, we, we were saying about Tim Allen's bloodied mouth. Um, uh, the, the, the first pass at this film apparently it, it wasn't going to be so family friendly it was going to be a bit more uh, less light hearted and more serious than this because well, it was rated R to begin with right it was and that's why you've got two cuts haven't you you've got two dubbings of swear words haven't you um, you've got Sigourney Weaver at the end where um, you, you know she <laughs> says well screw that when they see that the, 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 the chomping machine and that's yeah, the, the not the word she the moment yeah, and that's like not the word. Yeah, that's not the word she says. That's quite a clumsy dub. And and there's one at the beginning. I can't remember what, but somebody else says a word. I th- I think he says shit or something like that. But they've dubbed over something. Um, um, but uh, yeah, apparently, yeah, the director, old Dean Parasot, he he said the the original tone was a lot darker, and uh, it wasn't until there were test screenings done. Uh, that they recut it to emphasise the comedy and tone down some of the brutality of it. Makes you wonder what Mathisar's um, torture was going to be like if if it was a darker version. Exactly, and it also kind of makes me wonder what they were going for to begin with, that they weren't going for a comedy. Because, you know, I don't know if if you've been watching The Orville, if you guys have access to that over there. I, I, Um, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. It's it started out very much like a Galaxy Quest. It was I it was I assumed it was a spoof of Star Trek, but by the third episode, it became a full on sci fi show in its own right. They had a very very serious, very tense episode. That's actually when I dropped when I jumped off because I I said if I want to watch Star Trek, I'll watch Star Trek. I thought this was going to be a spoof. Mm. Uh, Seth MacFarlane's involvement obviously uh, helps that, but um, I'm, I'm guessing maybe that's where they were going. They were just I, but I can't see how that would have worked. It seems like they it were can't. trying to straddle two lines, and so. I'm glad that they went the direction they went with it, but I have to wonder what they were thinking to begin with. Because you can't fail to know that it's a comedy. You know, even if you were to put more brutal things in, if you were to, you know, have, have, have stronger language, you've still got the performances of Sam Rockwell. You, you've you got Alan Rickman saying, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it at the beginning and everything like that. That, <laughs> that comedic moments. I've just spoken to Dave in the last episode of this show about Back to the Future, and, uh, and uh, apparently the test audiences, when... The DeLorean goes off, and um, you know Einstein is in it. Uh, the the original test audiences got nervous because they thought something was going to bad happen to the dog. They hadn't realised quite that it was going to be a comedy, and I don't understand that because there's plenty of comedy moments before that moment to actually tip you off that this isn't a serious film. Right. Hmm. So I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Um, Sam Rockwell. Oh, good old Sam Rockwell. Um, <laughs> apparently, his I can I can totally see this. Apparently, he uh, based his uh, uh, portrayal on Hudson in Aliens. You know, the hysterical, in every sense of the word, Bill Paxton. Yes, it, it, I can the totally basis see for that. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, you can see Guy Sam Rockwell in this going game over, man, game over. You can totally Exa- see it, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, um, this film was one of the earliest to have its own um, um, film websites. 
You know, it's funny uh, that you mentioned that because my friend Josh, who missed the first few episodes, few minutes of this, uh, was when Waterworld came out. I think it was the first one that ever had one advertised, mm. like '95. And he he said, "I remember thinking someday I'm going to have a computer and I'm going to go to that website." And he said, "Then we got a computer, and I went to that website, and it was just an ad for the movie." Right. And I was so disappointed. Yeah. Well, apparently this one, it doesn't exist anymore. The the, the original, I think it was galaxyquest.com. And it, it was made to deliberately look like a fan page, as if, you know, the kids that you see in the film would have created a web page on their favorite TV show, Galaxy you Quest. Know, more evidence that this was just ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. Because that's apparently, exactly what we get today. Yeah, because apparently it had screen captures and poor HTML coding as well. So it looked like a proper fan effort. Yeah. Um, Mathasar, okay, one of my favourite characters in the film. Um, his odd vocal delivery, um, uh, that was all um, down to the actor, Enrico Co- Co- Colantoni. Um, that was made up by him, and everybody liked it so much they uh, that they allowed him to continue with it. And it does add to his character, doesn't it? That this strange uh, syntax that he has. Yeah, no, it's 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 great because it it lets you know that he's he doesn't really understand how humans work. Mm, mm. Yeah. No, I, I love it. We haven't mentioned this, about, but the Thermians, when they are in their human form, the way they walk, the way they run, the way they clap their hands, the way they're eternally grinning. You know? yeah. I love them. I love them dearly. There, there's never been any action figures, has there, of Galaxy Quest? No, no, no there, there may have been some models or something, but there have never been any, any full-on toys of any type made for it, which is a crime. Well, it, it was Christmas 1999 it came out in the States, Galaxy Quest. I wonder if, because it will be 20 years this year then won't it it'll be really nice if they do release some as an anniversary thing oh absolutely and i think there i think there's a market for it because you know nostalgia 20 years you know i I think there is a market for it and you know there have been some comic books that have come out since so i i think there's definitely room for some tie-in and i i would love to have a set of of action figures especially if you make it in a three and three quarter inch scale Mm, mm. you could you could put out the entire the entire cast really well, they do this now with any film, don't they? Any film now, I mean, they, they're, they're canny now, the toy makers. A- any film that a kid sees when they're like five or six, 20 years on from that, makes some action figures. It, it happened with Labyrinth. It's always happened with Star Wars. But, you know, they're, they're, they're doing these retro-packaged action figures ba- based on characters from films that were around when you were little, but there wasn't any merchandise then. And it's definitely appealing to the adult looking back to their childhood, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, it's, and it's great to, you know, you buy them, and, and they price them so that you don't open them to play with them, they price them to be displayed, mm. and I have I have several, and, you know, I always wanted, the, the, the one that blew my mind was when they finally released Pulp Fiction action figures, uh, <laughs> because I had had a dream about Pulp Fiction action figures 20 years ago, uh, and uh, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm really surprised that, that Funko and Reaction have not done a Galaxy Quest line yet. It might happen, you never know, you might be getting some Christmas presents. Hey, I, I hope so. Yeah, right. Ne- next little fact: um, Did you know that Harold Ramis was going to uh, direct this? I did. I, he, but he had a, a disagreement with one of the screenwriters or something. I believe, didn't he? Something it, like that. It wasn't just that, but he objected to the casting of Tim Allen. 
as well. I think that's that was, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like the final straw, and he walked out. He he since said he he, he was impressed by um, Tim Allen's uh, performance, but back then when he was going to be director, it was actually going to be made for Disney uh, when he was on board. Do you know what his first choice was for the Jason Nesmith uh, character? Who his first choice was? I do was? not. Uh, Alec Baldwin. I can kind of see that. I can sort of, but you, you, you don't. It would think... have been a very different movie, though. Well, if you were going for that darker tone, yes, you could say Alec Baldwin, but not. I mean, yeah, Tim Allen is he's, great. Yeah, he's it. not near. He's not nearly. He doesn't have nearly the as warm a presence as Tim Allen does. If you think of the scene where Tim Allen wakes up in the morning and he's hungover and the Thermians are outside the door and uh, he answers the door and then he's in the limo with them and everything like that, I can't see Alec Baldwin doing that scene and it be as funny and as charming as Tim Allen. No, you, you would lose the audience at that point. You've got to have a really likable actor to start the character that, uh, that, uh, reprehensibly. Yeah. The other, and, and have us come around to it. Yeah. The, uh, the other two that were considered, uh, I don't know if they were second and third choices, but two others that were com- uh, considered, I could see them do it. Uh, one, one is Steve Martin. Okay. Again, would work, but he's again he's 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 one of those people who sort of comments on everything with his performance mm. instead of creating a character. He's commenting on the character he's created. So I I don't know. All right, okay. The other one. What do you think of the other one? Uh, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein could have worked. Mm. Mm. Could have worked very well. Yeah, you. Think- Although I would, I could see Kevin Klein playing. Um, Either the Tony Shalhoub or the Alan Rickman character more so than I could Jason Nesmith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm I'm thinking back to him in A Fish Called Wanda, and yeah, that style. Yeah, yeah. He always seems more interested in playing the character than he does the the protagonist. Mm, mm, okay, um, but I could definitely see it. I think he definitely could have pulled it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. I can't say the name. Missy Pyle's role, uh, Larry Lai. I think it's Larelai, isn't it? Uh, her name is Larelai. I believe Larelai. so. Yeah, this was her uh, first feature film, and her role uh, originally was much shorter. There wasn't the whole um, uh, uh, romance with uh, Tech Sergeant Chen. Um, none of that was there. Um, she, she had a quite minimal role, and it was only when the producers noticed that Sigourney Weaver was the only female in the entire cast that yeah, her role was expanded. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, typically these, these sorts of films, especially back at that time, were, were sort of male-dominated. So it doesn't surprise me, but I think it was a very good idea because that uh, it gave us one of the best jokes in the film. Maybe the best joke in the film. What, when, the get, get a room, had, guys? No, no. The, <laughs> oh, that's not right. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy says, oh, get a room, oh, yeah, guys. Yeah, and, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, you're right. It's the same scene before that. But yeah, I always forget about get a room, you guys, because I'm always just so <laughs> taken with, oh, that's not right that's that pause that that he does in there that's what we were laughing at it's like what 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 is happening (laughs) to make him say that no that is great and she is great she's terrific and yes she 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 does look like one of my dearest friends yes um saris uh he was named after the film critic andrew saris shocker yeah uh and apparently was it the the ebersisk in willow (laughs) no apparently uh he he was called saris because the producer of this film mark johnson um saris trashed his film the natural so it's kind of like a petty get back at him 
to to, to have this guy. Yeah. But you made him make him one of the coolest characters. In indeed, the movie. indeed, with <laughs> with a metal eye patch, and as you said earlier, yes, it is. It, it it's a nod to General Chang in Star Trek VI, definitely. Um, uh, when the Thermians state they're part of the Clato Nebula, and of course that's a um, uh, a reference to Day the Earth Stood Still, isn't it? Clato Barada right, Nikto, yes. and also Return of the Jedi, Jedi, because you had a uh, an alien in that called Clato, didn't you? Uh, for the same yes, reason. Yes, which was a reference to the day the Earth stood still. Yeah, and I didn't know that. And so when uh, when I saw the Army of Darkness the first time and he says Clato, Barada, Nikto, I was like, oh, that's a reference to Return of the Jedi. And then years later, I figure out, oh, I'm an idiot. That's oh, no, it's an, it's an age thing. It's an age thing. You saw Return <laughs> of the Jedi before you saw Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. much, much, much before. See, I, I had already seen Day the Earth Stood Still, so I realized what was going on with that. And yeah, Evil Dead. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> now, the creature effects in this film, um, you yeah, know, Saris, the Thermians, the, the, the pig creature, um, um, they were all down to, of course, Stan Winston's studio. And uh, they were brought on board when Harold Ramis was still on, um, on board to direct. And they carried on after uh, he left. And uh, they were working closely with Steven Spielberg and his DreamWorks uh, company, okay? And right. and they built five full size Thermians. As I say, a lot of people think they're they're, they're CGI. They most certainly are not. They, you've got five full size ones, um, and they each had uh, forty five tentacles each. Uh, forty five. Wow. 45. And you don't even see most of them on screen. Nope. Nope. The the the, the framing of the film, you don't tend to see the bottom. And I, I I'm guessing because they were on like trolleys or something like that. You know, you can't show the very bottom of them. But no, each Thermian had forty five tentacles. Um, so they were constructed, I will show on Facebook page, you know, some of the earlier designs of them, but they were constructed, they were painted, all ready to go. Two weeks before filming is due to start, okay, Stan Winston gets a call from Steven Spielberg saying, I don't like them, I don't like the true form Thermians, they're a bit too bizarre, you've got to change it to something else, Right. And Stan Winston's like, well, what are we going to change it to? And Steven Spielberg thought it would be better to have them more like the the grey aliens you have in Close Encounters, at the end of Close Encounters, all right? And okay. so he goes back to his studio and says, oh, I've got some bad news for you. Um, you've got to scrap these guys. We've got to create more traditional aliens. And his crew, his team are all like... You're kidding. It's two weeks. We've got two weeks to make all new aliens. You're having a laugh. And Stan Winston went back, made another phone call to Steven Spielberg. Nobody knows exactly what that conversation was, but he did manage to, st uh, st to convince Steven Spielberg to actually stick with the Thermians. But yeah, two weeks before filming, <laughs> there wasn't going to be the aliens looking like this. I'm guessing it had something to do with if you want them in two weeks, this is what it's going to cost. Yeah. You know what? What we've got works just fine. <laughs> what you've got and what you've already paid for as well. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Saris there, he went through a number of different looks uh, by various artists. Again, I'll, I'll put them on the Facebook page, um, including comics, comic book legend and illustrator Bernie Wrightson um actually came up with a design oh, wow. for yeah 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 I'll, I'll put it on facebook when it comes up um and the final design was uh, down to chris swift he he sketched the uh, a very uh complete version of saris it's almost exactly like the saris we see on screen and he also sculpted the reference maquette as well um and uh, for saris to work 
um, uh, they used the, the technique that had been developed for the Planet of the Apes films, you know, a, a way to enable the actors' facial movements to be translated onto the outer makeup appliance. And that had been around since, you know, like 69, 70. And Stan Winston um, had refined that for the Star Wars holiday special. Okay, because they used that. <laughs> yeah, you never thought you would you'd be talking about that today, did you? Um, oh wow, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean they they, they used it for uh, the Wookies in the holiday special, you know, Marla and all that. You know, um, when you watch that, it is quite bizarre, especially the old, the old grandpa Wookie, the way his like mouth opens and closes like that. But it's the it's same. It's terrifying. Te- it is it is scary and terrifying <laughs> in any other word like that. But it's the same technique where the actor underneath can move his jaw and the jaw of the appliance moves. Um, but obviously, by the time of uh, Saris, um, you know, um, twenty years later, they had refined the techniques more, and you've got this very subtle performance as i say by by this robin guy that he he can actually move his lips and you know he he can squint and everything and it totally comes through doesn't it yes absolutely absolutely yeah um the 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 thing on his head these like you know spider's legs that he's got on his head uh they must must have weighed a bit because they were metal um and they were radio controlled so he's basically wearing a hat, a spider leg hat, if you like, uh, that was radio controlled. Nice. And, and I, I assumed it had to be something like that. And so there's someone off screen uh, controlling it, I assumed, mm. uh, because the way they moved, it, it's pretty organic, but it also looks a little mechanical, just a tiny bit mm. every once in a while. Mm. Mm. And that was the same true for his spines on the back. They, that, that, they were radio controlled as well, you know. So, so that's it. So that, that, that's behind the scenes. Uh, I did have one question for you, actually, mm. when you may not know. So the, the rock monster that Jason Nesmith has to fight, mm. I read somewhere, and I can't find it, but I read somewhere that that was a tribute to uh, William Shatner because in Star Trek V, he had wanted Kirk to fight a rock monster but didn't have the budget. Yes, no, that, that, I, I, I've read that as well, yes. And also, you know, it's a, it's a tribute to Shatner in that that's when Tim Allen's top comes off for that fight as right. well, you know. Yeah, managed to get your shirt off, I see. Yeah, that always happens to Captain Kirk. Yes, no, that, that, that <laughs> is. But, uh, yes, that is a CGI uh, creation. The rock monster is CGI. It, it, and it's yeah, and it, it looks it. Not, it's not bad, but it yeah, you it, it looks like it's you know late nineties CGI. Yeah, like, as I say, especially last, when he shoots him out into space. Well, I was just about to say, as I say, last night we we put on this sequence to watch, and we ended up right to the end. And yes, when it <laughs> when he appears and uh, when he flies out into space, yes, that that's not dated so well. Unlike the Saris. Uh, uh, makeup and unlike the Thermians which you put that in a film now you put Saris now into you know episode 9 or a variation of Saris now that would work that still works absolutely 20 years absolutely. on and this is practical effects over c- CGI effects practical effects if they're done well you know they don't date anywhere near as uh, as quickly as CGI does no not at all and even if they do they're so charming to look at that you don't even mind. But these, like you said, these would these hold up today. This, for all intents and purposes, this film could have been made today. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. It is almost timeless, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. Like I said, twenty years on, and you know, thankfully, we're still making Star Trek. They're still making Star Trek TV shows and movies, so it's it's always going to be topical and timely 
as long as we have Star Trek. It is topical because I was just thinking about it. I mean, you know, the convention circuit, whenever you've got a big TV show now, what do the actors do? They go on the convention circuit to conventions just like this, don't they? Yeah. Right, and and it ends with a reboot of the series, and you know that's all we really have these days is reboots of stuff that was popular twenty years. And ago. that's exactly how Galaxy Quest ends with a reboot, you know, <laughs> because right. they're back for the further adventures of Galaxy Quest. Yeah, <laughs> God, this was far seeing. Yes. All right. Okay. So that's behind the scenes. Um, so we've got to talk about rating now um, for this sequence. What do you think of it? And it is the sequence. It's you, you know how it holds together as a sequence, not just how effective the special effects are, but how everything works together as a sequence. Oh, I think uh, I think it works perfectly. I think it's 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 pretty flawless. The only problem I have with the sequence is the fact that we have that that mis edit with Tim Allen's teeth being you know mouth being mm. bloody after he didn't even get hit but th- that's not enough for me to really ding it i i think uh w- what is our rating scale it's well uh a one is the lowest you can go 10 is the highest you can go i'm gonna give it an uh, i'm gonna give it an eight and the only reason that i'm g- not giving it uh, higher than that is that we don't see enough of um of mathazar's true thermian form mm. it's it's so fleeting i just wanted to see more of that because it looks so cool yeah yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've I've matched you. I've got an eight written down right here. So yeah, an eight it is. Um, I would love to have seen more of Saris as well. You know. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that that that's excellent. An eight it is. Um, excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Incidentally, you can still find the uh, that original website. I believe uh, has been archived. Oh right. Okay. I, I I sent you a link uh, that you should be able to see. All right, I'll have a look for that, and and when this episode comes out, I'll put it on Facebook. Okay, then and this is very much yeah, it's, it's Travis Travis Latke's Galaxy Quest page. Okay, all right, and it's it's even got that it's even got the tracker for people who have uh, Questarians that have dropped by. So <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I if, if you're listening to this and you've never seen Galaxy Quest, go watch Galaxy Quest. It's charming. It's it's funny. It's touching. It. It works on its own merits, but if you're a Star Trek fan, it works even better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think Sigourney Weaver has ever, to me, been funnier or more attractive mm-hmm. than this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan Rickman, it's it's vintage Alan Rickman. Everybody in the film. Tony Shalhoub makes all sorts of interesting choices. Sam Rockwell, you want to see the birth of a star? Yeah. This is, this is it. Absolutely. Beautifully put. Well done, Jeff. All right. Well, thank you very much for today. All right. Thank you, thank you. I enjoyed and, it. And we are having you back soon. You and I know the subject, but we won't announce it just yet because we haven't gone into details, all right? Okay. 